Good morning, Alex and friends. I'm Connie Clementine. Today is Tuesday, July 18, 2023, and you're listening to Alex's News. In Riverside today, prepare for some serious sun as we are expected to reach a high of 99.9 degrees with a low of 76 degrees. Now let's dive into the top stories we're covering for you in this episode. First up, the global economy in turmoil. Rising corporate debt woes are sending shockwaves across the globe as default risks are increasing rapidly. We'll delve into this growing financial crisis. Then, we're discussing environmental initiatives on Capitol Hill. House Republicans have just introduced a plan to plant a trillion trees in order to combat climate change, while also bolstering support for fossil fuels. Next, we'll be covering a story unfolding in the West. The Ninth Circuit Court has approved the construction of North America's largest lithium mine, sparking a controversy over tribal land rights that's causing an uproar across the nation. And finally, a touch of pop culture. We'll tell you how Taylor Swift has once again made history. This time, she becomes the first woman to have four albums simultaneously in Billboard's top 10, outdoing herself by breaking her own records. That and more to come on Alex's News. Stay tuned. We begin this morning with our top news story. The corporate debt crisis that has been looming over the world economy is starting to have very real effects. For more on this, we turn to our finance reporter, Elias. Elias, what exactly are we seeing now? Well, Connie, more and more companies are being downgraded to what's known as junk credit ratings, which means they're considered a high risk for defaulting on their debts. This leads to higher borrowing costs. Our examples here are three companies, Casino from France, Thames Water from the UK, and Swedish landlord SBB, who between them hold billions in debt. Can you explain a little more about what that means, Elias? How does this credit rating impact these companies specifically? Certainly, Connie. Let's take Casino, for instance. This company is facing a net debt of 6.4 billion euros, and this is leading to some challenging conversations with creditors. Thames Water is in an even bigger hole with a debt pile of 14 billion pounds. And then we have SBB in Sweden, which was downgraded in May and is now at the center of what could be a significant property crash. Sounds like there could be a ripple effect across entire economies? Yes, indeed, Connie. Especially in the case of SBB, it's speculated that its difficulties could have broader implications for the entire Swedish economy. However, Despite these grim scenarios, investors aren't showing signs of worry just yet. The cost of ensuring exposure to these junk-rated corporates remains low, suggesting that the market isn't overly concerned about rising default rates. Is that confidence well-founded, Elias? Or are there other factors to consider? Well, Connie, this is where some discord comes into the picture. Analysts caution that corporate bond yields should actually command a higher premium as they feel the current spreads aren't accurately reflecting the underlying risks. Now, to put that in simpler terms, analysts believe that the returns on these high-risk investments should be higher to compensate for the risk people are taking by investing in these bonds. Has these companies taken any moves to address their debt situation? 
You're correct, Connie. Some of these companies are choosing to engage in talks with creditors in a bid to restructure their hefty debt position. However, the success of these restructuring efforts can't be guaranteed, as not all firms may be able to navigate through the storm of high debt and rising costs. One would assume that the full impact of this situation hasn't hit just yet? Quite true, Connie. The compounding effects of rising interest rates on corporate debt haven't fully struck. Plus, the recovery process from the global downturn, particularly in Europe, is expected to be slow and more drawn out than in other regions. All these collectively point to a future where these corporate debt woes could potentially lead to graver economic situations. Quite worrisome indeed, Elias. Thank you for breaking down that complex issue for us this morning. For those just tuning in, we have just covered our top story. But there's more to come. Stay tuned, you're watching your trusted news source. Turning to our second story of the day, House Republicans have proposed a unique solution to combat climate change planting a trillion trees. Chloe, can you explain the details of this noteworthy plan and how it aligns with the Republicans' traditional support for fossil fuels? Absolutely, Connie. The plan essentially calls for better forest management and a significant increase in tree planting. It was inspired by a 2019 study suggesting a trillion trees could substantially offset carbon emissions. But it's also about more than just trees. It involves replacing Russian natural gas with American natural gas, with the goal of creating a cleaner and safer world. It does appear to be a multifaceted plan. Still, wouldn't such a massive tree planting program take up a lot of space? And could it possibly heighten the risk of wildfires? Those are good points, Connie. Critics have indeed been highlighting those exact issues. A trillion trees would require a lot of land, and denser forests could potentially lead to a higher risk of wildfires. It's critical to manage the forests properly to mitigate such risks. There seems to be a divide within the Republican Party on the issue of climate change, with some GOP members still doubting its existence. Could this proposed solution hint at a shift within the party? It may be premature to define it as a full shift, Connie but it does indicate a softening of attitudes toward the reality of climate change. More Republicans are acknowledging that it is an issue that needs addressing. However, it's also clear that the party is looking for solutions compatible with its ongoing support for fossil fuels. Speaking of fossil fuels, the GOP has backed a bill incentivizing timber forests to sequester carbon from emissions. Does it mean that they want to continue relying on fossil fuels? Indeed, Connie. The GOP believes that forest management and tree planting could significantly reduce carbon emissions, thereby reducing the urgency to transition away from fossil fuels. I see. Also, they are pushing for the expanded production of minerals used in clean energy technologies. Should we view this as a positive step towards a more comprehensive approach to addressing climate change? Well, Connie, it certainly complements the tree planting proposal indicating that the party is considering climate change solutions from various angles. However, it's important to note that critics argue a more drastic shift away from fossil fuels is necessary. Well, this certainly seems to be an ongoing and complex issue with many faceted discussions and differing viewpoints swirling around it. Thanks, Chloe, for enlightening us on this proposed plan and its relevance in the broader climate change conversation. You're welcome, Connie. It's my pleasure to keep our viewers informed about such important topics. 
Now on to our third story of the day. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals has handed down a ruling that may have far-reaching implications for the energy sector and indigenous communities in the United States. They have ruled in favor of the largest lithium mine in North America to be built on federal land in Nevada. For more on this, let's go to our special correspondent covering the appeals courts, Ethan. Ethan, can you explain what this ruling is all about? Of course, Connie. Lithium Nevada is a company that has been trying for over two years to construct a lithium mine on these federal lands. But this has faced strong opposition from environmental advocates and tribes, who have been attempting to either delay or completely block this project altogether. The opposition argues that the land is sacred and there was not adequate consultation done with the tribes in Indian country. However, in its ruling, the court argued that these concerns came to light only after the project had already been approved. Thanks for breaking that down for us, Ethan. But why is this project receiving support from both the Trump and Biden administrations? Great question, Connie. The reason for bipartisan support lies in lithium's importance. Lithium is a vital component of the batteries that power electric vehicles. This aligns perfectly with President Biden's goals to transition to renewable energy sources and fight climate change. You see, a native source of lithium could potentially boost the production of electric cars, reducing our dependence on oil. Indeed, the shift towards electric vehicles is a key factor in tackling climate change. But what is the reaction from the tribes and environmental advocates now? Connie, these groups have expressed disappointment with the ruling. As we mentioned earlier, they argue that this project could have destructive impacts on both the environment and sacred tribal lands. They've also been waging this fight in federal court. Now, in light of this latest ruling, there's speculation that they might consider escalating the fight by appealing to the U.S. Supreme Court. It sounds like there may still be a long road ahead for this project then. But given that construction of the mine is planned to start this summer, what could be the potential implications of this mining operation? Well, on the one hand, the mine could boost America's lithium production, serving as a boon to the electric vehicle industry. This means we might see an uptick in jobs and a reduction in the cost of these vehicles. However, on the other hand, we might also see significant environmental damage, and the indigenous communities are raising concerns about the destruction of lands considered sacred. Indeed, it's a complex situation that definitely warrants further monitoring. Ethan, we appreciate your insights into this critical issue. Thank you so much. Always glad to be here, Connie. Thank you. Our fourth story of the hour is about the popular pop star Taylor Swift. She's been in the news recently for her record-breaking success in re-recording her first six albums as she regains control of her work. Grace, could you tell our listeners more about this? Absolutely, Connie. Taylor Swift has actually just made history as the first woman and only the third artist ever to concurrently have four of her albums in the Billboard 200, which is pretty amazing. Her latest re-recorded release, Speak Now, Taylor's version, debuted in the top spot, making it her 12th number one album. This recent achievement makes her surpass Barbara Streisand's record for most number one albums by a female artist. That sounds like quite an accomplishment. Is this a first for any living artist? Indeed, Connie. We haven't seen a first like this since 1966. The only other artist who achieved this was Prince, but interestingly, this did not occur until after his death. Swift is also the first living artist to do this. Her success doesn't just stop here. Just last October, Swift became the first artist to organically dominate the entire top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Wow! 
Now let's discuss more about her re-recordings. Grace, can you explain to our listeners what this is about and why it's significant? Sure, Connie. What it boils down to is an issue of control. In 2019, Swift's former record label, Big Machine, sold her music catalog without her approval. This move essentially meant she lost control of her older work. What Swift's re-recording campaign is doing is taking back that control. Every album she's put out under her Taylor's version banner signifies her reclaiming ownership of her work, both artistically and monetarily. Re-recording seems to be a smart strategy for sure. It's having quite the impact as we can see from her recent accomplishments. Now, I have heard there is substantial financial implications, too, in terms of Swift's ongoing tour. Very true. Besides captivating audiences, Swift's ongoing heiress tour is having a significant economic influence. For instance, cities that are tour stops are seeing a rise in hotel revenue and overall tourism. Fans aren't just showing up for a concert, they're making it into a vacation, or as they're calling it, a Swiftcation, which in turn is boosting spending on travel, hotels, and food. The Common Sense Institute even estimated that Swift's tour could generate as much as $4.6 billion in consumer spending in the U.S. Well, it appears Swift's impact extends way beyond the charts. So, what does all this mean for her status in the music industry? Definitely, with her recent success in re-recording her earlier albums, Swift is showing artists everywhere that they can retain control of their art. Not only this, but her success in album sales and her ongoing tour is proving to have a substantial impact beyond music, on local economies as well. I think it's safe to say that Taylor Swift is not just dominating the music charts, but she's also managing to upend economic norms in her wake. Truly fascinating. Thank you for being here, Grace, and shedding some light on Taylor Swift's unprecedented success and its significance. My pleasure, Connie. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made by Alexander King with GPT-4, GPT-3.5 Turbo, 11 Labs, and the Google Cloud Text-to-Speech API. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.